we're talking about rational or irrational fear. So fear is a very, very common emotion. It is a very common thing. None of us have been fearless um, our entire lives, even if we've been able to develop a form of fearlessness and still move forward. And so fear is a very hot topic. It's a very um, common emotion, but most importantly, it is powerful. Fear is all powerful. It stops us in our tracks from moving forward. It causes us to doubt ourselves. It causes us to give up in a lot of instances. Um, fear, you know, causes us to stay catatonic for years, to sometimes stay in situations that no longer serves us. And so I want to teach you about rational versus irrational fear, but also when it comes to rational fear, which is what I want to focus on the most, what to do about it and why even your rational fear is not rational. <laughs> okay, so this will be fairly quick, but regarding fear. So here's here's rational versus irrational. Let's start there because I'm going to focus mostly on those of you who actually have really rational fears, right? So irrational fear is having fear of something that is not driven by any type of um, historical data that um, is not driven by any impending threat to you, whether that threat be physical, mental, emotional, financial, right? Right. So let's say, you know, you're walking down the street, you see a stray dog, right? It is very rational to have a fear of that, of that dog, right? To want to run, to want to hide, to want to flee. That is a rational fear because there is an, a danger that is immediate and present, okay? However, if you, if you have a fear that, you know, a dog is going to come in your room at night and there's no evidence that has ever happened. There's no reason to think that, you know, there's a random dog looming around. Um, then it's pretty much irrational, right? There's no reason to be physically afraid to be having a physical response to a fear that is simply a thought in your mind. Okay, so that is irrational fear. The point I'm trying to make is that if you have irrational fear, usually it's not driven by any data. So irrational fear is a fear that doesn't have any data to back it up. But the people that I want to address today are the people that have rational fears. I want to talk to those of you who have are living with fear, who are um, immobile because of fear, who are not taking action because of fear, and you, your fear is very rational, meaning you have data as to why you are fearful, okay? So many people have fear because they failed before. I want to talk about fear of failure. So many people have fear because they failed before. So this can be in your health. This can be in your career. This can be in relationships. This can be a marriage that didn't go so well, right? A relationship that didn't go so well. Maybe you have a fear of getting into friendships again because you had one where somebody betrayed you or just went awry. And so I want to talk to those of you today. And this, if this is you, say I or me in the chat, that you have a fear and it is really based off of data. Like, no, Lisa, I never want to marry again because that was the most devastating, heartbreaking time of my life, right? Or, nope, I, you know, I, I never want to try that plant-based thing again because it was horrible. My weight went up when it was supposed to go down. My numbers went up when they were supposed to go down. I was hungry all the time. It was horrible. I couldn't, I couldn't eat out, right? You've maybe tried something and it didn't go so well. And so that has caused you to 
avoid or be fearful about trying it again, right? Or starting over or, you know, revisiting that scenario and solving that problem again. But I want to talk to you about why that is not really, you think it is, but it's not really a data-driven decision, right? You think it's a very rational fear. And from, you know, on the surface, it appears as if it is. Like, yeah, I get it. Like you were in a, a five-year marriage. They cheated the whole time. They had another baby on you. You know, they were emotionally abusive and you don't even want to make yourself vulnerable. You don't want to put yourself in a position to be taken advantage of like that again. On the surface, it looks as if you are making a rational decision. That's what rational fear is. Like when you explain your situation to someone, it is very, very rational to say that makes sense why you would never want to invest in the stock market again. You lost your shirt the first time. It makes sense why you never want to be a landlord again. You had a horrible tenant who ruined your property, right? So when you have fears or apprehension about moving forward on something and it's and it's rational you usually have a story that makes it sound quite rational that you have sold yourself on the story and you have sold other people on your story but i want to tell you what if i introduced to you this perspective which is what if I told you that the fear you have about starting that business, the fear you have about, you know, really adopting a plant-based lifestyle to reach that health goal is irrational because it's not based on the right data point. You're saying I failed before. It was a horrible experience. I don't want to do it again. And so here's what probably happened the first time. Okay. Here's what probably happened the first time. First time you had a goal. Then you had a plan to achieve the goal. Then you executed on the plan, okay? And then you got a result. It was probably that simple, four steps. Goal, plan, execution, result. Again, goal, plan, execution, result. That's what happened. And based on the result, that which you are not pleased with, you've made a decision based on that result. That's what happens. Right. And so you and you're saying that it's a data driven decision because, no, look, I did the work. I have the evidence that it didn't work. And so I'm never getting married again. I'm never, you know, renting property out again. I do a fix and flip, but I'm not being a landlord no more. Right. I, I never getting close to another female again. I don't want any female friends. Right. I'm never whatever. Because, again, you had a goal. You had a plan. You had execution and then you got a result. And based on that result, which you are not pleased with, you've made a decision. Okay. And so you've decided that based on history, based on that circumstance, you will not pursue this goal in this fashion again. Okay. But what if I told you that was actually not a data driven decision? Because that is a conclusion driven decision. That is a conclusion driven decision. You're saying I failed the first time. My marriage failed the first time, so I don't want to get married again. And you're you're basing your future decision on whether or not you're going to marry again based on how your last marriage concluded. It ended bad. It didn't end well, right? Your last experience with a plant-based diet didn't end well. And so based on that last vegan experience, you are making a decision going forward, which is a conclusion-driven decision, 
and not a data-driven decision. Now listen, hey Tracy, I miss you too. Um, now listen, if this is your one of your first times listening to me or you're kind of new to me, one of the things you'll hear in my rhetoric repeatedly is the importance of making data-driven decisions, right? And as opposed to emotionally driven decisions, okay? So we want to make decisions based on data as opposed to decisions based on emotion or decisions based on um, what's trending or what's a good idea without a lack or without, a ev without evidence, right, that it is the right path for you to take. So most of us are not making decisions from a great starting point. Number one, we don't have enough data to make a final decision. Or number two, we're led by our emotions more than anything else, okay? So what I want you to do is start making data-driven decisions. So when it comes to fear, again, you had an experience, it didn't end well, and you made future decisions based on how that last experience concluded. That is a conclusion-driven decision. How should it have went or how should it go or how it should go the next time is the data that should be informing your next decision it's not based on the conclusion of your last experience. It should be based on the plan and the execution of your plan in the last experience. So most of us, based on how that experience concluded, we take that information and make a decision on what we're going to do next. Right? That last tenant tore my property up. I'm never being a landlord again. That last marriage ended horribly. We were arguing in court, fighting over the kids. I'm never getting married again. Right? My last job did this, I'm never working in that industry again. Like how we conclude it is how we make our future decisions. That is not a data-driven decision. That's a conclusion-driven decision. We should be making decisions based on the plan and the execution of the plan. And that's where we should be drawing our data from. Okay. So that means that you had a goal, you had a goal, you had a plan to achieve the goal, and then you executed the plan based on your interpretation of the plan. I'm about to give you a quick example, okay? So you had a goal, you had a plan, then you executed based on your interpretation of that strategy. You got a specific conclusion, and now you're allowing that conclusion to make decisions for you going forward. This is a very unhealthy way of existing and living because then most of us operate out of fear because the last situation didn't end well, and we're fearful that future situations will end like the last. This is a conclusion-driven decision. So what does that mean? That means you should be relying on analyzing the plan better and analyzing the execution of the plan. That's the data we need to look at. Was I using the right strategy, i.e. the plan? And if so, did I execute it properly? That's what should be informing how we move forward. A lot of us like, oh, like, like me, I'm on my second business. The Black Health Academy is my second business, right? My first business was an online personal training company. If I, if I had based my future decision to start a new company based on how my last company ended, I'd be working for somebody else right now. But no, I'm still a full-time entrepreneur. Why? Because I took the data from how I executed that first business and used it to inform how I started and how I ran the second business. So 
Let me give you a quick example before I hop off. One common thing, um, most of you guys know I'm a plant-based nutritionist, plant-based business coach, right? I certify people in plant-based nutrition, health professionals. And um, so I hear and talk to people all the time about their resistance, their hesitancy about adopting a plant-based protocol to address their health challenges. And so a great example will be someone who, I don't know, has type 2 diabetes, for example, right? And... So the goal, reverse type 2 diabetes, right? So I'm just going to go through this real simple. Goal, reverse type 2 diabetes. Plan a vegan diet, okay? Execution, this person says, you know what? Um, I'm going to still keep a little bit of fish, okay? Um, I'm not going to get mad if the restaurant accidentally still put a little cheese on my salad. I'm going to eat it. I might even add a little bit myself when I'm at home. And I'm going to keep my coffee, okay, with my, with my cream and my sugar in it, right? And so they're, they're like, and, you know, I want to, you know, I'm just going to, I don't like to cook. Um, I'm too busy to cook. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to rely on, you know, the vegan, the vegan substitutes in the store, the, the burgers, the chicken, you know, the vegan cheese. I'm going to rely on, you know, like the vegan, you know, foods that's already packaged, right? So I can make this convenient for me, right? So we got the goal, reverse type 2 diabetes. We got the plan, adopt a vegan diet to reverse the type 2 diabetes. Then we have the execution, which is I'm going to keep a little bit of fish, a little bit of cheese, and rely mostly on vegan packaged foods to live this vegan lifestyle to reverse my type 2 diabetes. Now, finally, we have the conclusion. Six months later, they go back to the doctor, they get their blood drawn that their A1C, you know, hasn't moved significantly, less than one point, okay? So they say, the vegan thing didn't work for me. Next step, I'm going to try a low-carb animal-based diet. That's what I probably need to do. I probably need to get rid of all these carbs to reverse my type 2 diabetes. Okay. Um, and so then they start watching my content and I say, and they're, they're like, I'm kind of attracted to what you be talking about, about how a plant-based diet can, could reverse type 2 diabetes. However, I tried that already and it didn't work for me. So, but they still, I'm still talking good enough to get them to reach out and, you know, apply for my coaching program, Farm to Table. But then when they get on a call with me, they say, and I tell them how much it is, like, oh, this is going to cost me several thousand dollars. And they say, nah, because I tried that already. So I'm afraid fear. I'm afraid of investing that much for something I've already tried and it didn't work. Okay. So they're making a conclusion driven decision as opposed to a data driven decision, meaning the data should come from what the plan or the execution of the plan, not the conclusion. Okay. And I say, okay, well tell me what you've done. And they run the whole gamut down to me. And I say, okay, you have diabetes. You've heard me say I've helped people reverse it using a whole food plant-based approach. You should definitely apply for Farm to Table. You should definitely enjoy Farm to Table, right? That's where they give me the resistance. It, it costs a lot. I don't know if I want to take that chance again. I already tried this one time. It didn't really work for me, right? And I say, oh, really? Well, tell me exactly what you did. And they run down what they did. Well, I did mostly vegan. Like I was like maybe, you know, 90% vegan. I did keep a little bit of fish. I did keep a little bit of cheese. and I, But I definitely ate all of the plant-based foods, right? I had the beyond i had the impossible i had the cheese i had the chicken nuggets i had the plant-based lasagna if it said plant-based then i ate it right i would they the the uh, burger king has a plant-based burger kfc sometimes i was on a go so i would just get that so i definitely stuck to it right i just relied on the conveniences and i say oh got it 
No, 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 no. What you don't understand is that the cause of diabetes is saturated fat. So even if you're eating packaged vegan food, it's going to be full of saturated fat, like um, a bunch of different types of oils and, and, and sugars. You kept all of that in your diet. So although you took the animal products out, you didn't necessarily take out everything that is the root cause of your type 2 diabetes. So your approach, i.e. your plan was good. You wanted to take a vegan approach. Your execution of it was is what was poor. You had a good plan with poor execution. And that's the data that we should be pulling for, from to inform whether or not you're going to try it again. Not the fact that after six months, your A1C barely moved, but whether or not you truly executed, executed properly on the plan after talking to an expert who has done it before you, right? And if type 2 diabetes ain't your thing, swap that out for whatever your health goal is, whether it's weight, whether it's digestive and stomach health issues, whether it's your mental health what have you tried and what are where are you pulling your data from to inform your next decision? It is it should be coming from the plan, the strategy or the execution of it, not the conclusion. Same thing with marriage relationships, same thing with being a landlord. You shouldn't let the fact that one tenant tore up your property mean you should never be a landlord again. What was my plan? for getting tenants well I, I, all i did, really did was went on social media and was like i got a house for rent in this area and i let the first person who had the money move in okay so your plan for getting a high quality tenant sucked right oh you didn't do background checks oh you didn't you didn't even check to you know get references from places they lived before so you're you're pulling data from the wrong place in the process right and so this is this is why fear causes so so many of us to freeze in the moment or not move forward or to give up if i looked at what happened with my first company an online personal training company and the fact that like that didn't go the way i wanted it to go right I, it was sustainable like i had clients i took care of myself but i'm trying to build a seven-figure brand that leaves a legacy on the world and that wasn't going to cut it but if i let the fact that my first business didn't pan out to be what I wanted it to be and form my decision to start another business, I will be, like I said, filling out applications probably to this day. <laughs> but I looked at the data. I said, what didn't, okay, I had to, I need to develop myself as a CEO. I need to develop my leadership abilities. I need to understand how to manage money in a business differently. I need to understand how to attract quality leads. I need to understand how to put together programs and frameworks and services that actually solve a major sophisticated problem for people in the world. And what have I done? I've now done that with the Black Health Academy. And now we're a six-figure company because of it on our way to be a seven-figure company. So I didn't let the fact that my first company didn't go the way I wanted to inform my decision on whether or not I was going to stick with this thing. Was I fearful? Absolutely. As an entrepreneur, you're scared almost every day, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Like entrepreneurship is scary as heck, especially when you're a full-time entrepreneur, you're literally relying on your business to pay your bills. But I don't make conclusion-driven decisions. I make data-driven decisions, right? So I go back and analyze the right part of the process to inform my next decision. So here's what I'll leave you guys with. Here's the best piece of advice I can give you guys who find yourself um, like catatonically fearful of moving forward and who like fear like causes you to like you know where it's like you know how adrenaline is where it's like 
uh, fight, flight, or freeze, right? So that's what fear does. It like causes you to either fight, that's what we do over here, fl flight, run away, or freeze, do nothing, right? So for those of you who are experiencing fear right now in your, in your life, I don't care what area it is, relationships, health, money, personal growth, spiritual growth, whatever it is, here's the best piece of advice I can leave you with. One, history is not an indicator of the future. I know that is one of the common things we a lot of us have heard and we've heard people say, right, that we study history to understand what's going to happen in the future. But that is not true. OK, history is not an indicator of the future. History is nothing but data. History. Sorry, I'm looking at the time. History is nothing but data. OK, history is not an indication of the future. It is not the best predictor of the future. Please take that adage, that saying out of your vocabulary. Stop believing it. It is not true. What happened in the past is not an indicator of what's going to happen in the future. And the final piece of advice I can give you around this is this. Things happen every day that have never happened before. Things happen every day that has never happened before. Do not believe the fact that you've been, you know, trying to lose this weight for years. The fact that you've been battling, trying to overcome this trauma for years mean that tomorrow is going to look like yesterday. Things happen every day that have never happened before. So whatever your goal is, whatever your vision is for your life, for your business, for your health, for your money, it's available to you. You can do this. You can do it. The, the past is not an indicator of the future. It is not. But what the past is, though, the past is not useless, but it's not a fortune teller. The past is nothing but data. So all you have to do is it, Analyze the data from the past to help inform your decision for tomorrow. However, the past is not an indicator on how your next try is going to turn out. And that is the part I want you to let settle in your spirit. Okay? We will not continue to operate out of a, out of a spirit of fear because we have failed before. Is your fear rational? Yes. Right. Because you think you're pulling it from data, but you're not. Your your data should be pulled from the plan you had and how you executed the plan. What needs to happen different in that middle? Not how not what happened at the end, that middle. And that's what history is. It is nothing but a bunch of data points for us to, for us to pull from and make better next decisions. Listen. Like and share this video, share it to somebody who needs to hear it, save it for yourself and come back and listen to it when you're feeling fearful in the moment so that you can be a better critical thinker, analyze your past experiences better to make better decisions. All right. So share this, share this, like it, leave a comment if it resonated with you and I will talk to y'all later. Bye.